contacting our advancement director, John Carroll. He's at John, that's... Good evening, and welcome once again to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Jeff Hayden. Five weeks ago, we opined that American voting technology is hopelessly out of date, controlled by large businesses, and closed off from public inspection. Even our cell phone apps are more up-to-date than this pipeline into our democracy. The following day, a story broke in Alameda County. Elections officials determined that they had misapplied their system of ranked choice voting. And that as a result, they declared the wrong candidate to be the winner of a hotly contested election there. Even as we go on the air tonight, right now, some 12 weeks after the election, even after officials certified the local election, a court ordered officials to review the Alameda County School Board District 4 ballots. And while the attorneys for the two candidates get to review those ballots and watch as the sausage is being made, the court order stops short of overturning the results. At least thus far. And then what happens? Meanwhile, a recent report by the Little Hoover Commission advised Governor Newsom to move forward with open-source voting. Events over the last five weeks seem to underscore exactly what we said as the year came to a close. And now? Tonight, we're discussing more than just a comparison of California or San Francisco versus New Hampshire. One issue that unites Democrats, Independents, and Republicans alike is the sanctity of the vote. This fight for clean elections and the fight for clean election technology. Alameda County is fixing to give a lesson on just how the sausage is made. Hopefully giving a behind-the-scene, behind-the-curtain look at local vote counting. Indeed, we intend to discuss local, state, and federal voting issues. And why does it matter if the software is provided by Microsoft or Dominion, EN? ESNS, or now defunct Diebold, or if it's open source software. So where does all this stand? What is the state of elections in California and elsewhere? Give us a call. There's much to discuss. Our phone number is 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. That's 866-798-8255. And bear in mind that neither our attorney or non-attorney guests can provide you with precise legal advice. They're not going to have all the facts relating to your given case. But we're happy to pass along legal principles to assist you in your decision-making. And the legal guidance mightn't be the positions of their employers or their clients, but we're here to help. Again, our phone number is 415-841-4134. If you're outside the Bay Area, call us toll-free at 
798-8255. Returning to join us tonight is Brent Turner. Mr. Turner is a graduate of Lincoln Law School in San Francisco and has a degree granted by University of San Diego in International Legal Studies from Oxford, England. Brent is a community activist whose efforts have included volunteer work for the homeless, children's health and education, civil rights, and environmental issues that say nothing for his interest in voting systems and his, envir- and his work there. Mr. Turner was instrumental in the creation of the San Francisco County Voting Systems Task Force and has been a director of communications for Open Voting Consortium. Brent has been recognized as a groundbreaking activist for sustainability and dedicates himself to local, state, and federal issues and was recently featured in the award-winning reform documentary The Real Activist with former CIA director Jim Woolsey and Peter Coyote. And with that, Brent, welcome back to your legal rights. Seems like you were just here, no? It's It's been a few weeks, but uh, lots happened. So, Brent, where are we now? I mean, start with the bad news. Well, the bad news is that the so-called experts in this world of election reform have apparently been compromised, and, and they often operate counter to the science. Uh, this includes many academics. And further bad news, if we want to frame it as such to start, uh, the corrupting forces that infect the government as well as academia and the so-called expert community appear to come from intellectual property software leaders, namely Microsoft, Oracle, and and such. Uh, we don't want to exclude outside country interference agents, though, uh, as they also have a motive. Well, they certainly have a motive. I won't say also, but they certainly have a motive to disrupt the United States by destroying confidence in our elections. The final piece of what I would call the bad news is if someone tells you they have confidence in these proprietary systems, that should prompt skepticism. Uh, The current systems uh, have not been tested and cannot been guaranteed to an acceptable level. So, So that's the bad news. There's problems with the certification process from beginning to end when you're talking about these proprietary systems. The good news is, is that there are open source paper ballot systems now available through the nonprofit community, and jurisdictions can insulate themselves from the problem by simply moving toward the public software systems. There's a group called Voting Works that I will refer to tonight, and and they've uh, managed to conduct a trial in New Hampshire and have deployment in a county in Mississippi. So they're little by little moving forward. Uh, so that that's a, a sort of a bad news, good news framing. Tell me a little bit about open source. We've spoken about it before. I don't know that we've spoken about paper ballots before. Talk to me a little about how they work in comparison to what we're doing now. Well, there are some systems out there that are properly utilizing the paper ballot. So the what we call the Deckert design, which was originally penciled in, I think, around the year 2000 by Alan Deckert, 
of Open Voting Consortium. This is a simple ballot printing system so that when the voter presses the computer screen that says Kucinich on it, a ballot prints out that says Kucinich. And there's that eliminates all voter intent issues. Uh, the counting process is, a again, a simple scanner like you'd see in use today with the proprietary systems. But the software itself is open to inspection. And the more eyes you have on the code and the process, the better. So uh, that's basically a... Uh, a functional system that has been deployed in, as I mentioned, Mississippi and now going through piloting in New Hampshire is a a paper ballot open source system. When we say open source, we should put the tag on it that that licensing should be what's called a general public license, either GPL v3 or AGPL uh, open source uh, code. And uh, then you're on the right track. This is not difficult, by the way, for the folks that know how to create and deploy these systems. Um, It's just a matter of political will that blocks it in California currently. You and I have been having this conversation for a long time. In fact, far longer than I was on this program. You've been here several times. We've been talking about it for a long time. It seems simple enough. Why has it taken 20 years to get just two states up and running on the road to better systems? Well, it's been a comedy of errors. Basically, we've seen $300 million go toward an open source voting system in Los Angeles. And this was at the prompting of Open Voting Consortium. Uh, But it came with the caveat that uh, if what are called open washers were allowed involvement in the project, it would almost certainly go south. And so we've seen projects basically tanked, and we think intentionally, by folks that are not of pure uh, intention. So uh, that's that's what happened in Los Angeles. $300 million was allocated. It was such a bizarre, preposterous moment for California that the then- Secretary of State Alex Padilla, now senator, actually announced the unveiling as an open source system. Uh, Unfortunately, the system did not qualify as an open source system, and so I think he retracted that, but that was only under the pressure of open source initiative coming in with their expertise and, and calling it out as deficient. So there's been attempts, and unfortunately, folks uh that what i what we call them as open washers they come in and purport to be open source advocates but actually they're um probably under the direction of the intellectual property consortia well that actually brings to the next thing i wanted to ask you about because clearly it appears that some government folks that's both elected officials and appointed officials appear to be blocking some open source voting do we know why that is? I mean, who might be influencing, or is it corrupting the government pro- the government process? Well, you have these corporate lobbyists that are very heavy-handed, and of course, a lot of money flows. Everybody's, uh, you know, being touched by the power of the money. So, 
uh, in this particular circumstance, uh, you know, you would almost think that one thing might be sacred and that one thing should be and hopefully would be the election systems uh, because we have to inspire confidence in our elections or we see what happens to the country if we lose that confidence. So um, that being said, they, the corrupting factors are, uh, you know, the, the, the lobbyists, uh, Microsoft has gone on record against open source um, they also backtrack and purport to encourage open source, but uh, you know, in our opinion, as purists in the space, they're not to be trusted. Oracle is another one, uh, and and all though those that bob in their wake, as former CIA director Jim Woolsey says, uh, and that would be the intellectual property vendors, um, including the the. Uh, voting system, vendors. So that's the opposition. Uh, They operate a a FUD campaign, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And uh, they have managed to corral the mindshare of certainly the California government uh, because we don't have success here. But luckily in New Hampshire, they seem to be free of that sort of control. And so we're seeing good things there and, and that keeps us hopeful. Any likelihood that that will shed the light to other states and that a movement will start? Oh, I think it started. I think the first few states are the most difficult. So we're seeing Alaska a little bit. Uh, You know, there's always been talk in Arizona, but they have so many issues there. Uh, You know, California would be great if we could get it done here. Uh, New York has shown some promise. They created a waiver for open source systems. Uh, we achieved that uh, 10, 15 years ago, but it's all very plodding. And as we saw in San Francisco, we can have a good amount of success, and then it rolls backward uh, because the government is transient in nature, and uh, there's a constant education campaign necessary. Uh, and, and you get different players at different moments. But, uh, you know, San Francisco is the heartbreaker because if we could get it done there, we feel like the rest of the state would really pay attention. And it seems to me that it wasn't that long ago that you were just this close in San Francisco. What happened? Well, the COVID hit, which was unfortunate, and that, I think, created dark of night for a lot of hanky-panky. Some funding that was in place uh, uh, was removed. Uh, The project to build the system with the government there basically fell apart. Uh, and uh, then we had the good fortune of of the group Voting Works offering to do basically the work for free and come in and gift their system to the county. But unfortunately, the election director has made it very clear that he is resistant to open source uh, voting system progress, And, and of course, you have a very heavy hand of Dominion voting systems in San Francisco, and they they do not want uh, San Francisco to transition toward the public systems. In opposing it, does the voting director have a, a plausible position? Is there a plausible reason why he's resistant, or is it not spoken? Does he not say? Well, I think it is in, you, you know, I don't think he needs the extra work. Uh, and and he thinks it's going pretty well now, uh, as it is. 
So his position is, you know, why why change when you know things are doing going pretty well now? And and from one perspective, things do go pretty well in San Francisco. We haven't had ballots in the Bay recently, no big scandals. But the fact is, is that his position of retaining the legacy systems is counter to the science that says, uh, as the Little Hoover Commission report stated, you know, uh, move immediately toward these upgraded systems. The proprietary technology is not appropriate for use in public elections. And perhaps he'll learn from example where some others have had bigger problems. We'll get to those in a minute, but seeing what's happening even here in the Bay Area and some pro- some jurisdictions that are having problems, one would think that that might be a lesson. One would hope that it would be. Uh, we saw Tim Dupuy, the registrar for Alameda County, basically at a loss for words. Um, and, and it's not necessarily the election officials' fault. We're all victims of a system where the technology has gotten away from the administrative ability to control it. So, you know, Tim Dupuy doesn't know what's going on inside a black box. And then he's got ranked choice voting as an overlay. And at that point, uh, you know, he's at a loss for words. So uh, we understand his predicament, but he's not with clean hands because we encouraged him to move toward the better systems uh, for the past few years, and he's been resistant and non-communicative as well. And when you say the better systems, you're not talking about rank choice, which we'll get to in a moment. You're still talking about open source. And correct, this. correct. Yeah. Okay. You, you brought up rank choice. I don't want to spend the night. I mean, after all, I'm not a big fan of rank choice, and you and I could go on for a week about it, even before what appears to be a colossal glitch in the Alameda County voting system. But what's up with rank choice voting? What's What's the latest with that? Well, I think it's trending and will continue to uh, to uh, be uh, in more and more jurisdictions nationally. Uh, but there is some resistance to it. Uh, people are curious about it now and sort of getting their arms around it philosophically. So we'll see how that plays out. The good news is, is that the open source folks, the the big brains and the open source technology community can simply handle the uh, system, the rank choice style. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see if they continue to trend upward or if this resistance we're seeing now with, with some of these issues that have occurred, uh, you know, creates a diminishing of their, of, of their uh, momentum. But um, uh, I've been previously agnostic uh, because the open source community can handle the ranked choice, but certainly we're all uh, with raised eyebrows watching what's going on in Alameda and um, noticing that, again, uh, this further compli- – well, what I will say about it is it, it, it's a further complicating factor. So we are trying to make the system uh, more transparent and inspire confidence when you take a uh, uh, an overlay and create more complication that that's not doing uh, a good service to the community so um i think it's workable but it certainly should never be used unless there's an open source foundation uh, putting a rank choice on top of a proprietary system is is a fool's game 
you and I had a conversation about that in our broadcast on December 27th or 28th, the very last one of the year last year. And we talked about how would we know with ranked choice on this proprietary software that conceals most of what's happening inside. How would we know if something went wrong? And it was only a few hours later that it was actually you that called my attention to the news breaking that Alameda County seemed to have had a tremendous meltdown. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about that and what they're doing about it most particularly? Well, they they assessed the circumstance and said it was a misconfiguration on the part of the local registrar uh, or perhaps the vendor uh, doing the tasks at hand. Uh, it is not clear what exactly happened, although we know for sure that the system announced one candidate on one day and then another candidate on another day. So I think, Recipsa, you have uh, a, a huge, huge problem. And the, although they want to explain it away, uh, it's not that easy to do in that horrible circumstance. So now we're seeing a recount, which is very cumbersome with the ranked choice voting style. So um, I think it gets continues to get worse, that story. Um, if I were the king of the world, I would be making sure that the Secretary of State was very involved in the conversation and that we were piloting open source voting systems in Alameda County immediately. Have they taken steps to change the system over there, either to bring on better counting systems or to move away from ranked choice or something to go at it differently? I don't I don't believe so. I think they're paying attention to the recount. They're, they're uh, focusing on what just happened, and I'm encouraging them to think about what's about to happen. Let me turn to our first caller from Oakland. Uh, Gerald from Oakland, welcome to your legal rights. I'm sorry, welcome. You're on the air. If you would stay with us a moment, we'll circle back to you. Right now, we're not hearing you on the other line. One of the players in gathering information on open source is a group called OSIT or OSIT. Can you tell us what's going on with them and, and tell us who they are? OSET is uh, Open Source Election Technology Group. They were formerly Open Source Digital Voting, and they conducted a um, an event where a Professor Halderman made his uh, name uh, by cracking into the event and uh, hacking in and and uh, making the I think he made the a fight a college fight song play in the middle of their demo. Um, and, and it was an embarrassing moment for them, but it prompted them to change their name from Open Source Digital Voting to Open Source Election Technology Group. Um, they're funded uh, by some tech proprietary billionaires. Uh, that was their start. And they are what we call open washers. Uh, they purport to be advocates for open source voting and progress uh, in the space, but Unfortunately, uh, they have proven to be folks that are uh, likely 
slow walking the uh, the the information that they're giving and uh, putting uh, licensing nuance to the equation so that it's a slow drag back down to a proprietary environment. And so we're very uh, cautious about people that are in it for business purposes. Uh, we believe this space of elections should be completely transparent with general public license and without affectation from the business community. So we have a, a, a difference of opinion with them. And unfortunately, they get, because they're so well funded, they get a lot of attention from Capitol Hill and such. But uh, we've managed to stay competitive in the conversation and and uh, keep the message from the uh, purists uh, you know, relevant. It's not simply a matter of following the money and being suspicious. They're actually looking for a business opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And and there is business to be had. Uh, I, I think it's just up to the watchdogs to, uh, you know, continue to vet the environment because, uh, you, you know, um, everybody is very gamey in this space. There's fundraising occurring and there's, um, uh, you know, so much power at stake on a worldwide basis that naturally uh, dark players come in into the picture. And so it's been uh, a very interesting education for me over the last 20 years. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm Jeff Hayden. Tonight, we're discussing a bit about your votes, particularly how they're counted and why officials can't seem to get it right. If you need help or are just interested, perhaps look, looking to know how the systems work and what you can do individually to participate or get in on the, on the effort, my guest Brent Turner is here to help. If you have questions from my guest, our phone number is 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, don't let that stop you. Call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. That's 866-798-8255. Tonight we're talking voting and how your votes are counted you do want to be heard. And as always, you can call regarding any question on tonight's topic. You don't have to join in the exact point we may be in our conversation. Another group that, and I don't know if we'll have time for this before the station ID, but another group that you probably hear a bit from are election officials and their alliances that, that, um, uh, that the group that's behind them, Kakio. What can you tell us a little bit about who they are and I think it'll be in the next half hour that we talk about what's going on with them. Well, briefly, uh, that's the California Association of Clerks and Election Officials. There's also an international group, the the IACRIOT, uh, International Association of Clerks, Recorders, Election Officials, and Treasurers. And these are business leagues that uh, purport to represent the interests of the election officials. And, uh, you know, we take a look at them and just make sure that that's the interest they're representing is also of the citizens of the United States so that we're not getting 
business and vendors controlling the conversation. And we recognize that vendors do uh, contribute to uh, the the associations, you know, host their their meetings and uh, events and such. And we have a caller on the line, Allison from Hayward. Welcome to your legal rights. Allison, if you would turn your radio down, please. We're getting feedback through the line, but you are on the okay. air. Welcome. Yeah. The interest they're representing is also of the citizen. Okay. Welcome. You're on the air. Hi there. My name is Allison Hayden, and I'm calling addressing Brent, uh, Brent's remarks on ranked choice voting. I'm part of the team, election integrity team of Alameda County, California. We are... Uh, Bipart or not, we're panpartisan, I should say. Uh, we are a group of concerned citizens about our vote. And we've been going down to the uh, ROV in Alameda County since the primary, actually, and um, have received a lot of, um, oh, I should say they keep us away. We didn't really ever get to see a ballot or see uh, a signature on a ballot. Uh, this has been the, the way that the registrar has handled elections in Alameda County. As to the ranked choice voting, we attended the, we had a review. The judge ordered a review of the suspended ballots. And again, they kept us away. We could not see anything, really. And it's only by virtue of the fact that we had the cast vote records with all of the uh the data on those suspended ballots that we were able to even figure anything out. So uh, we have a big problem with transparency, with uh, having uh, a registrar that's at all concerned with citizens being confident in the votes that they cast and that they are going to get a, a proper result. So, Allison, I don't mean to cut you off. We need to break for just a moment. We'll be gone for just a few seconds. I'd like you to stay on the line so we can continue in just a moment. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. We'll be back right after this. Support for KALW is provided by the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your situation. Call 415-989-1616 or visit sfbar.org for more information. And Allison, you can continue. I didn't want to cut you off, but we do have to give that station identity, uh, station identification at the half hour. I understand. But you can go ahead. Okay. So, you know, we have numerous codes that are violated uh, by the registrar, beginning, of course, with 15004, that all central committees and actually all citizens are allowed to watch all voting processes. So uh, we did not see that they opened, the, they already opened all of the uh batches, all the boxes, and they extracted the Oakland unified vote uh, ballots, separated them already. So they did not inform voters or the public that they would be doing that, and that's something that we're 
allowed to see, but we're not. Um, they hid that again. Uh, we were not able to get close enough to see any of the procedure, as I said. Um, the, they've denied public access, uh, public records requests, any public records requests related to who are the poll workers, because we had an issue with the registrar that they contracted with Conic, which is a uh, China company, and that uh, we do hire non-citizens at the Alameda County Registrar, and we wanted to know Conic uh, was housing the poll workers' personal data in their database in China. And uh, we did not want any non-citizen, you know, obviously anyone uh, that isn't entitled to be processing ballots to be processing ballots. And they refused our request for that also. So there is a lot of uh, many attempts. Chain of custody is broken. We, we watched every phase of it, and they kept us uh, as far away as possible. We could not examine the documents, let's say, with the drop-off of the bags of ballots from the drop boxes. We were not able to look at that process, look at the documents, how they were checked in. Not all of them were according to the procedures that they had set out for that. So there are many problems in Alameda as to the way that they have conducted this uh, 2022 election cycle. Uh, I personally saw where uh, they, the poll worker miscalled uh, Newsom for a ballot, and I could see the choice of the voter had bubbled was not Newsom. And when I objected, I was they threatened to call the sheriff. And all these things are not according to California code. We are, as observers, allowed to object. If we see a problem, there, there is a procedure to pull the ballot and to resolve it in the moment. Well, but, I, I understand your concerns, and I don't by any means want to minimize them. Our focus tonight is mostly, I don't want to say entirely, but it's mostly structural rather than personnel. Personnel problems can happen anywhere, but we're really focusing on the election systems themselves and why some work and some don't, whether it's ranked choice versus regular voting, whether it's open source software versus proprietary software. You and I could have this conversation. I'd be very interested. Um, I do want to move on to another call, but I do understand that there are some concerns, and it sounds like very can't very very uh reasonable concerns about the way it's conducted and i appreciate you sharing your thoughts with all of us on your legal rights you're welcome back anytime thank you let me turn it to jackie from also from the alameda county election integrity group hello can you hear me i can welcome to your legal rights okay very good thank you um, I'm calling because I just wanted you to know that we have a great team of people who have been really focused on election integrity. And I appreciate Brent calling in tonight and you talking to us about it because, you know, we as observers were down during the 2022 election and we saw and observed the public being so confused about right choice voting. They had no idea what the rules were, whether or not they could bubble in, you know, the same person all the way across. It was mass confusion. 
And then we turn around and thank goodness Fair Vote brought to the attention of the ROV, even though we also recognize it because we have people who did analysis on the CVR, the problems with the right choice voting outcomes. So, Brent, I'm just curious, you know, how, how do you think that we can get this open source information introduced? Because we're working with one of our Board of Supervisors, Dave Halbert, and they are concerned about the proprietary software. But can, do you have any pointers on what we can suggest? Well, uh, my first thought would be that you, you need to identify experts. And you have to be very careful to vet those experts. If you pick the wrong experts and they start directing the 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 steps, um, you are you know locked into what we've already seen occur, and and it, it didn't end with success. So um, again, luckily there is a group, and and interestingly, I think one of them lives in Alameda. Uh, and that's uh, the nonprofit Voting Works group that has been leading the country on this issue. Um, so I would encourage those conversations between the supervisors, the the council members, and uh, and and the folks that are the smartest folks in the country and in the world, for that matter, uh, likely. Uh, and and they're available for Alameda. So it's not that we lack the ability. Again, uh, it is the political pushback and the corrupting factors. I think we have to be very, very candid about, you know, who's controlling this conversation. And also, I would suggest bringing the Secretary of State into the conversation and uh, and having her explain why the Little Hoover Report directs the governor to move toward these better systems and 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 what the explanation is why we're not doing it uh, uh, one last little thing she may be laboring under some misimpressions that are created by disinformation coming from officials that are locked into the legacy method the the old way of doing things and they don't need this extra work of transitioning to the to the better system. So there's a lot of different factors, and I, I just wish you well, and I hope that Alameda County in Oakland, it, wouldn't it be great if they, if Oakland was the place that really lit the fire and, and brought better voting systems into deployment for the United States? There's a poetic justice there that I think would be applauded. Yeah, it, it would be great to be the pioneer, although we would, you know, more so we would love to be able to just fix our election systems and processes. We're super happy to hear about what happened in Shasta. So um, thank you for that information, and we look forward to working with you and uh, we're looking into this voting works because we, as the election integrity team of Alameda County, we're not going to let up. We're not going away. Great. We are standing strong, and we are going to see this through. So thank you, Brett, for, for the information. Thank you. And Jackie, thank you for joining us in your legal rights. You're doing God's work. Keep it up. Thank you. Let me turn it to Jason from Lafayette. Welcome to your legal rights. Hi, good evening. Yeah, this is uh, Jason Bezos uh, from Lafayette. Jason, welcome. You're on the air. 
Well, my concern is, uh, first of all, I, I agree absolutely with you about getting the California Secretary of State involved. Uh, and I actually was in discussion with the Secretary of State's office, some very senior people up through about the problems in Alameda County, uh, but they suddenly cut off all communication, um, which I thought was very peculiar. And part of that, they cut off the communication after I'd called to their attention that there's this government code section, and I'm an attorney, by the way, uh, who's, who's done work in election law, and uh, there's government code section 12172.5 or 12172.5, and that's the statute that uh, says that the Secretary of State is the chief elections officer of the state and shall administer the provisions of the elections code. Uh, and it also says in there the Secretary of State should, shall see that the elections are efficiently conducted and, importantly, that state election laws are enforced. And it also states in, the, in that same section of the government code uh, that the uh, Secretary of State should call to the attention any violations to you know, law enforcement, such as the State Attorney General, and also says that, and this is a key point here, quote, in these instances, the Secretary of State may assist the elect county elections officer in discharging his or her duties, unquote. And so the, one of the issues here is why is Secretary of State Weber not getting involved with the problems in Alameda County? Why isn't why haven't we heard anything about Secretary Weber weighing in on these problems uh, with the uh, miscalculations on the ranked choice voting, et cetera? So I think that's a major concern there is that there's a complete lack of uh, leadership. And I think here, too, it's intentional. Uh, and, and, and part of it also, one of the reasons why the Secretary of State cut off communication with me is that I was going through the elections code and finding out certain reports. Like there's Elections Code 15377, which requires the Secretary of State to prepare a uh, report after every election within a certain number of days after every election about rejected ballots. And so um, last uh, no, June, uh, and that, that took effect basically in 2022, so it's a relatively new law, but they had not issued the report on the June 2022 election uh, as of October. And so my client threatened to sue the Secretary of State to force her to release, keep in mind this is a statewide report, county by county, of rejected ballots for the June 2022 election. And the Secretary of State has a legal duty to prepare it and issue it, to publish it on her website. And my clients couldn't find it. And it wasn't until we threatened a lawsuit against the Secretary of State that she posted it up on the website and it was showing very baffling, and this was front-page material in the, uh, the East Bay Times uh, last October when the report came out, because Alameda County had a very low ballot rejection rate. And, you know, it's a good thing, generally, we don't like ballots to be rejected, but it was at 1% of the statewide rejection rate. And it made no sense. It made no sense whatsoever. Um, and the Alameda County Registrar of Voters, has not explained it. The Secretary of State didn't want the report published. There's no explanation from there. So what I'm generally getting at here are there are major systemic problems with election integrity in California, and it starts right up with the California Secretary of State, and you said the, the CA, CEO, that organization of election officials. Um, if they're not going to be getting on top of this, they're also part of the problem. Because the, the issue here is 
and the way I and my clients increasingly see it, is the Secretary of State and the 58 county elections officials versus the other 40 million people of California. And that's the problem, too, with the Senate and Assembly Elections Committees. They are, they are all focused on these elections officials. And while they have important things to say, they also have incentives to make it seem like everything is perfect in California and to, to cover up some of the problems. And one of the ways they cover up the problems is by, as you heard Ms. Hayden speaking about earlier, Ms. Coda speaking about earlier, these elections code sections 15004, 15104, and 15204 give rights to the public and organizations to observe and challenge what they see in the offices. And what Alameda County does... It, well, let me it, jump in for a moment, because you've been you've uh, covered an awful lot of ground, and I'd like to give Mr. Turner a chance to comment on some of that. Well... Is everything I, I peachy that, in California? Uh, no. Uh, I think this is a very astute assessment. It, it's you know it's it's a harsh assessment, but it's an accurate assessment, and and we, it, we have to have this adult conversation. Uh, there's just no way around it. And and uh, again, what we try to keep focus on is not uh, that the current system is so decrepit, uh, but rather uh, where do we go from here? And uh, we know how we got here. We know there's been a, an abuse of the grant, uh, the grants uh, that go toward elections. Uh, we we saw in 2005, I think it was uh, the what's called the accurate grant verified voting. It took seven and a half million. The GAO told them to move toward open source systems. They did not. Uh, there was a comment made to Congress by Avi Rubin, David Dill's partner on it, that open source is no panacea. We've been hearing that with repetition. There's basically a disinformation campaign that keeps the solution at bay. And as long as we're toiling in this cesspool of proprietary code, uh, we're going to get what we get. And so, uh, yes, it's a death by a thousand cuts You the the uh, from top to bottom. There are issues, and we need to redesign the system. Uh, and it starts with the software, and so, uh, and and then there's architecture, and then you have to bring the public in and shore up a lot of these processes. Uh, it is glaring now in Alameda County, and I hope the people stay incensed about it because uh, we have to have the conversation. The sooner we do. Uh, the better will we'll be to toward uh, re, regaining public confidence. I'd like to flush out a couple of things that our last couple callers have spoken on. One of them is there's word of some interesting activity coming from Shasta County. You've commented, our caller had commented, what is going on in Shasta County? Well, the supervisors there basically threw Dominion out, which, you know, it's it's funny because... Uh, I've worked with on this issue with Christine Pelosi, Nancy's daughter, and we we put uh, open source voting, paper ballot voting, into the California State Democratic Party platform. 2016, uh, the Democrats were upset about the presidential result, and so we got a lot of momentum there. Uh, 2020, the Republicans were upset about the uh, results, and so now there's. Uh, more bipartisan 
attention to this issue. We we need to keep it nonpartisan uh, so that uh, you know everybody's feeling like we're all involved in the solution. Uh, the the Shasta supervisors they basically heard enough from Dominion, and even though the Republicans have hijacked this issue uh, lately. Uh, we we want the Democrats to stay involved, and uh, I think this was a Republican-led effort in Shasta, where the supervisors there, uh, I think Supervisor Jones, uh, just had his fill of Dominion and recognized that these systems are not as presented, and uh, they should uh, take a first step, which is throwing the bad systems out. Now, the issue in Shasta is what are they going to do now? Uh, They're left hand-counting. They don't have ranked choice voting, so they can uh, perform a a hand-count, but it's not anybody's pleasure, and there's – even though it's light volume in comparison to some other counties, it's still enough that they're going to need a system. So uh, that's what's going on in Shasta, but I – I uh, applaud the the bravery of the supervisors there because, you know, sometimes you have to make a stand, and and I think they did that. And against a very powerful foe. Yes. You also mentioned that the Little Hoover Commission advised Governor Newsom to move forward with open source voting, open source voting. Um, talk a little bit about that. What you know? Who is the Little Hoover Commission? What did they say in uh, in this particular instance? Well, uh, the um, people involved uh, were very astute, uh, gathering a lot of information, and their conclusion was to direct the governor to move forward with the better systems in California. The Little Hoover Commission is uh, basically a, uh, a, a, a governmental group that gives opinion on technology and other issues. Uh, Pedro Nava is the – I think he's still the chair. And uh, if not, I believe he was at the time that they put that the the uh, report together that you're referencing. And it was framed very eloquently to say, let's make a good system better. So the idea is we don't want to denigrate the current system or cause the public to lose confidence. But uh, we have to have that adult conversation and say – we can do better. We we should do better as Californians. It's interesting that this work is coming out of California, but being utilized in other states, and that in itself smacks of some corrupting forces or something is going wrong here. And we've all talked about this and how concerning it is. Prior to Alameda County and even after, is there any indication that because of this we're getting it wrong, or is it more the potential for mischief and wrong outcomes? Well, I think the potential is is obvious because the science tells us so. The, the fact that we could bolster the security around the systems and make them more resilient against the hacking forces of outside country interference agents, your uh, North Korea, China, Russia, people that would get satisfaction from having the United States be uh, in, a, in a bad way regarding our elections. Uh, so it's it's not that, uh, you know, we can't get this accomplished. It's that the politics, again, backing, getting back to the corporate lobbyists that seem to be controlling 
at least the federal legislators to a great extent. Uh, we haven't seen anything out of the EAC uh, that is uh, hopeful. Maybe there's some folks there now that can do something that have a good understanding. Uh, we we saw a bill uh, on the federal level from Ron Wyden working in consort with uh, then-Senator Kamala Harris uh, that mentioned open source. But um, uh, it, it's been a very long road. And, uh, you know, we're hopeful that in the well, – well, we were very hopeful to start with with Secretary of State Weber because she would be a perfect candidate to really show great leadership on point here. Am I wrong? Or at one point – the Secretary of State in California really got behind this move toward open source voting. Then the issue seemed to cool. Do we know her position now? Uh, that was Deborah Bowen. And so that was a, a few secretaries back now. She was very much uh, an advocate for open source voting. And uh, she did the top to bottom review, which basically highlighted the inefficiencies, the security uh, problems with the current systems. And nothing's changed since then. So that top to bottom review was scathing. Um, she was very much for open source and making the transition. Unfortunately, she uh, suffered, uh, I think, some medical issues and was not able to to carry out her duties. Uh, then Alex Padilla came in replacing her, and he talked a good game at the beginning and seemed to be a proponent. But um, and and he did a couple things which were beneficial uh, for the movement but uh, did not really carry forward or, or follow through. And now here we are with Secretary Weber. And do we know her position? Well, I think she's confused. I, I think she's got some staffing issues, and, and I have, you know, some affection for, for some of her staff. But uh, in the end, we have to be very candid because the gravity is so intense. Um, she needs to make sure that her office is listening to the folks that actually know what they're talking about when we talk about election system security. Um, this is some cutting-edge technology and uh, folks that are adept and and revered in the space are available to the secretary's office to, to move us forward. And uh, I think she thus far has not given them, uh, you know, enough attention and and uh, has not followed their direction like she should. I think she's getting stuck because the folks in her office are used to doing it the old way. And uh, as we're hearing tonight, the, the old way ain't working. Last year, you told us a little bit about, about let's try that again. Last year, you spoke a bit about New Hampshire making the leap. Do we know what the current status is in New Hampshire? Yes, they did a uh, a trial. Uh, Voting Works was the uh, company, the nonprofit that came in, conducted a trial. Um, they uh, had a success there, and a report was written that the software was uh, worked well, uh, no issues. They had a, a hardware glitch where there was a ballot rejection basically due to some felt pens that were inserted into the process uh, irregularly. And uh, so that was something to be noted was you have to, if you're allowing the voter to mark the ballot 
with a pen or pencil. You have to have control over those pens. Um, and that, unfortunately, uh, was, you know, thrown into the pilot as, as a glitch. But the software worked perfectly. The um, folks that are uh, leading this effort are working furiously. And I think New Hampshire will continue to move toward the better systems. And uh, Mississippi, is, uh, which is, you know, interesting as a territory, of course, when it comes to voting rights, uh, they've also deployed in one county a system that uh, uh, by voting works so that, you know, it's it's small little gains, but uh, these are the tough ones at the at the beginning. As we're running out of time, I did want to ask you briefly about one question. Um, I've been following a little chatter, some concern in the community looking working towards open source about Microsoft buying GitHub. Can you tell us a little about what GitHub is and why it's a big concern? And we're down to about 90 seconds. Well, again, Microsoft says that they are, you know, uh, changing their position regarding open source. Bill Gates originally said it was a communist uh, effort. Uh, But, uh, yeah, uh, Microsoft went and bought GitHub, which is a repository for open source projects. Again, this raises eyebrows in the community. We don't want corporations counting the votes or being involved in the vote counting process. This needs to be a sacred space where we have a lot of eyeballs on the code watching each other, and the whole process should be transparent uh, with a robust paper ballot and GPL open source software. We, we can do this, and I hope that the Bay Area is on the on the front end. We're sorry San Francisco hasn't uh, moved along, but maybe now Alameda and Oakland will. You've been listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. Tonight, we've been discussing an overview of your right to vote and particularly what happens to your vote after it's been cast. Our guest tonight has been Brent Turner, the real activist. Next week on Your Legal Rights, we begin a discussion on our recent mass shootings that seem to be happening with greater and greater frequency. Now they're hitting closer to home. Is gun control the answer, or is it even legally possible? As always, we'll take your calls and answer your questions. A big thanks again to tonight's guest, Brent Turner. Thank you for joining us. And on behalf of Your Legal Rights, a big thanks to all of you for listening. And at the controls, Joanne Marr. I'm Jeff Hayden. Good night, be safe, and have a good night.